Hello, everyone, and welcome to Data Framed. I'm Adel, data evangelist and educator at DataCamp. And Data Framed is a weekly podcast in which we explore how individuals and organizations can succeed with data. So we just wrapped up our Radar 2023 conference, and boy, oh boy, it was so much fun. So what we wanted to do this week, instead of releasing a standard Data Framed episode, is share some of our favorite chats and panels from Radar. So throughout this week, we'll be releasing four different Data Framed episodes covering some of the best sessions we found in Radar. Now, just as a warning, the format will be slightly different for these episodes as oftentimes we take audience questions as well. And moreover, the audio quality is that of a Zoom call. But we hope this brings additional perspectives from Radar to a wider audience. So starting off this week is a session we had with two previous Data Frame guests, Bar Moses, CEO of Monte Carlo, and Yali Sassoon, Chief Strategy Officer at Snowplow. In this session, we deep-dived into the state of the modern data stack, how data teams can succeed in building high ROI data functions, and much, much more. Throughout the week, we'll be sharing insights from Jordan Murrow, Cindy Hausen, Valerie Logan, and a lot more. Now, let's get started. All right, all right, all right. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to one of our first sessions of the day in Data Camp Radar 2023 on value creation with the modern data stack. My name is Adele, and I will be your moderator today. And I'm thrilled to be joined by a fantastic set of panelists uh, who have deep expertise on the state of the modern data stack today and how to drive value from it. You know, arguably one of the biggest challenges data teams are facing today in this 2023 is the ROI challenge. We're seemingly at the cusp or in the middle of a recession. Uh, Boardrooms are looking to weather the storm. They want to see higher efficiencies. They want to see higher ROI from data teams. And over the past few years, we've seen really the maturation and the evolution of the data tooling space with the rise of the modern data stack. And the modern data stack, in a lot of ways, has promised to drive that ROI and value for data teams that they are looking for today. However, the main question that we have for today is, are tools alone just enough to drive value from data? So here to discuss this more deeply are Bar Moses and Yali Sassoon. Starting off with Bar, Bar Moses is the CEO and co-founder of Monte Carlo Data, a data reliability company and creator of the data observability category that is backed by Axel, GGV, Redpoint, Iconic Growth, Salesforce Ventures, IVP, IVP, and other top Silicon Valley investors. Previously, she was a VP of customer operations at a customer success company called Gainsight, where she helped scale the company 10x in revenue and among other functions, built the data analytics team. Bar, it's great to have you on. Thanks for having me. And now on to Yali. Yali Sassoon is the co-founder and chief strategy officer at Snowplow Analytics, a behavioral data platform that empowers data teams to solve complex data challenges that is backed by NEA, Atlantic Bridge, and MMC. At Snowplow, Yali gets to combine his love of building things with his fascination of the ways in which people use data to reason. Yali, it's great to have you on. It's great to be on. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. So I want to make sure that the audience as well will have some brief time for Q&A and let's get started. So, you know, as someone who's been in the data space for more than five years now, uh, I think in a lot of ways, one of the more illusory or confusing terms that I've seen is the modern data stack. 
because in a lot of ways it refers to a category of tools and architecture and even sometimes an approach to building data platforms. So we definitely have a lot to talk about today when it comes to the modern data stack, but I'd love to first start off by really dispelling any confusion around the word and really get your definition for what the modern data stack is. Bar, I'll start off with you. I thought it was just a buzzword. Is it not just, <laughs> just, just kidding? <laughs> um, yeah, it is, you know, I would say it is used sort of widely as a buzzword, right? But I do think there's sort of something behind it. Um, I think, you know, at a very high level, it's a way to help organizations realize value from data, right? Um, realize value faster, more effectively, and for more use cases. Um, I think one of the, the folks that I've heard speak you know, the best about this is actually Bob Mulia. He's the mm-hmm. former CEO of Snowflake. You can kind of think of him, I think of him as like the father of the modern data stack, if you will. Um, and he had some specific criteria for the modern data stack that I really like how he thought about it. First of all, sort of level setting, it's cloud-based. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. kind of like level setting. Second, it's modular and customizable, which allows for best in breed solutions. So if in the past folks were looking sort of like an all-in-one solution, right now folks are choosing like the best tool for a specific job. Um, the 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 fourth thing that he mentioned was um, metadata driven. I think that speaks to the rise of the importance of me- metadata in the modern um, data stack. And then finally, Bob's take was that it all runs in SQL, at least for now. Um, so I think that's like an interesting take for sure. I think at the end of the day, again, it has to do with kind of expediting value for data teams and and stakeholders. In the past, it was very on-prem siloed stacks. And today it's a focus on easy to get up, easy to see value from, and kind of most importantly, scalable and reliable. That's really great. And Yali, from your perspective, what is the modern data stack and your definition? Um, So I think I mean exactly the same thing by modern data stack as bar. I, I think I just define it from a slightly different Angle. I think it's the ecosystem of tools that have grown up around the cloud data warehouse. So I think the cloud data warehouses, the snowflakes, the databricks, the big queries, they're the the core technology that uh, at the center of uh, the modern data stack. And they've been transformational because they've enabled organizations to accumulate data from lots of different places and compute on it. Um, in a way that was really hard uh, previously, before those cloud data warehouses mm-hmm. came along, was it really hard and really all and or really expensive? Um, and what's been interesting is this ecosystem of, 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 of tools has grown up around it that has all the properties that Bar talked around. They're modular; people select them because they're best of breed. Uh, so you, you know, dedicated tools just for getting data into the warehouse, dedicated tools for processing and transforming the data in the warehouse, taking it out, activating it, and then managing things like observability and metadata across it. So, um, yeah, agree agree with everything, but I think really worth emphasizing the, the, the cloud data warehouse or lake house in the middle of it. That's really great. So, you know, we have kind of a really good working definition of the modern data stack now, you know, both from the characteristics that Bar shared, but also around the ecosystem of tools that exists within this space. Now, what I want to talk about is how data teams can create value with the modern data stack. You know, the crux of today's conversation is all around how data teams and data leaders can derive value from these different tools. Value creation with data is top of mind for a lot of data leaders today, especially in 2023 with a tighter focus on ROI. 
you know, you've worked both of you with a variety of data teams, uh, whether at Snowplow or at Monte Carlo, using your different tools that are incorporating the modern data stack. Walk us through maybe common patterns and traits you found value creating data teams have when it comes to their usage of tooling. I'll also start off with you here, Bar. Yeah, it's a great question. I think there's, you know, if I think about the world today versus like three to five years ago, or even five to 10 years ago, I think we were all maybe if I dare say, pretending to be data-driven 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when folks say today we're data-driven, that's probably, I think there was more meat behind that. Um, and, you know, t- some of like the data or the sort of arguments behind that. One, there's just more data products, actually. So in the past, if like the core product of a company oftentimes was decoupled from data and data was really used for internal purposes, like, counting how many customers we have, which is, by the way, that's mm-hmm. still like the biggest challenge any company has. Tell me one company <laughs> that is able to count how many customers they have. I don't think that's <laughs> very hard to do. Um, turns out counting is still the hardest thing to do with the modern data today. Um, but I think you see way more data products, right? Like not uncommon organizations to have hundreds of data products. I think Shopify mentioned that they grew from like 50 to 250 um, uh, data products within a year or so. Um, I think the second big chain is like, there's obviously way more people working with data. So in the past, if you had like a data analyst today, like pick your title, right? Like data engineer, um, analytics engineer, ML engineer, engineer, whatever you'd like, everyone is working with data. Um, I think to Yali's point, there's sort of like emerged kind of these four core pieces of the modern data stack, which, mm-hmm. you know, folks are kind of working around the first, again, just to recap what Yali said, the data warehouse or the data lake or the data lake house. Um, the second is orchestration. Um, the third is a BI or sort of, you know, any advanced analytics platform like Snowplow, actually. Um, and the fourth is what I would, you know, think like data observability or metadata. Um, and so the first sort of primary, you know, I think typically what data teams do, the first thing that they do is like set up the modern data stack. And then the question is like, well, you know, the business asks, what have you done for me lately, right? Um, uh, and so, you know, I think that is something, by the way, it's interesting. Um, I actually wrote a blog post in 2019 um, about how to think about the ROI of data teams. And it's mm-hmm. suddenly like, so it's like back in fashion. It's like back in popularity, right? So it's actually like, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to see it. I think it's a healthy dialogue and um, really great for us to, to think about that. So, you know, what we mapped out back then is basically um, kind of a framework helping folks understand how to think about, about ROI. And it's probably, I'm a former consultant also, so I always think in two by two. So it's basically a two by two. <laughs> um, and what, like one of the axes is basically like, what is the role that data teams have in delivering yeah. value to the business? And I think there's like four or five core areas. The first is, Increasing the ROI of operational initiatives, which basically means making teams, internal teams more productive or effective. So for example, you know, working with the marketing t- team on a campaign analysis to help them understand which campaign is most effective so they can, you know, uh, manage their budget. The second is actually driving a totally new initiative. Like for example, you know, doing analysis of user segments to identify a particular um, user segment and a hypothesis about it. Um, the third core driver of ROI is uncovering totally new opportunities. So it might be like a totally new um, product feature or totally new marketing idea, something that like the team hasn't experimented with. Um, the fourth is, um, or fourth or fifth, kind of think of it as the same as one, 
basically figuring out ways to, to support scale or new capabilities to support that. So maybe it's a recommendation system or an experimentation platform, like those things in support of the business. Um, and so the idea is you can take those drivers and map them against any team really that the data organization works with. Um, mm-hmm. And the data team oftentimes doesn't work with every single organization internally. It might start with the marketing team and then move on to product, extend into sales and customer success and kind of work across internally. Um, so that's like one way to think about it. And then the second, which we're obviously seeing more and more of, is actually data teams working closely with data in production and with like products that um, customers are using. So, um, yep. you know, building data products. Um so, you know, I think it's very early days of being able to communicate value in this way, but starting to think through like, okay, what are the specific ways in which data teams help um, or drive value for the business? And then can we create like an impact scorecard in some way um, or kind of allocate dollars? Uh, many teams are obviously very proud of kind of the value that, that they bring to the business in terms of a value, in terms of a dollar perspective. Can you actually allocate that? I think that probably the most sophisticated teams I've seen do that. Um, curious okay. if y'all are seeing other things. Yeah, <laughs> I think the, um, the if if I look across the different data teams uh, that uh, that I'm familiar with, I'd say the big difference between the ones that are successful at creating values and the ones that are less successful, the ones that are successful are, are, uh, are doing a couple of things differently. So they're partnering with the business to identify those use cases bar that you talked about and they're really working with the business to to execute on them and then they're they're putting in place the technical they're using the technology to support the use case so the use case comes first so with a with a clear use case it's generally reasonably straightforward figuring out the roi i think you gave an uh the, the example of a marketing campaign and that that's a very measurable thing you can show uplift you can show you know through more effective campaign we've acquired more customers with the same amount of money or uh we've acquired uh, more customers with the same amount of money or the same amount of customers with a smaller amount of money it, it, the figuring out the outcome is 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 isn't the problem when you're at the use the use case level um it's actually figuring out what's the most effective way of executing that and making sure that the business gets all the way to value. So the, the, the kind of anti-pattern there is data teams that stop at democratizing the data or giving the business the, the, the ingredients to go and realize the value, but then not make sure that they've gone and taken those additional steps and actually realized the value. And then the real anti-pattern is the data teams that put the technology before the use cases. And this, this sounds crazy every time I, I say it, but I do know organizations that have followed this, this approach. They, they, they decided to go in on the modern data stack and they start assembling it like a jigsaw, jigsaw puzzle. And they're like, when I finish the jigsaw puzzle, then I'm going to go to the business and start using it to drive value. And that's, that's all back to front. And it, it, um, it means you've spent a lot, a lot of money before you've shown any any value so the, the the big thing is start from the use case i always say and and work back i don't know if that resonates but yeah it does 100 percent um for sure i mean just as an example maybe to make this a little bit more concrete like one of my favorite examples is um JetBlue. uh so if folks know like JetBlue is sort of a leading um 
airline. And um, their data team is super interesting, super strong user of Snowflake and DVD. I think maybe one of the, the world's user, biggest users of DVT. And I just love that example because it's so tangible, like tracking data about like flight information and where's your luggage? Like we're in a virtual conference, but imagine we were all traveling to this conference. It's like, you'd want to make sure that you know what your connecting flight is and you know where your luggage is, right? And as a data team, when you're responsible for that, like, yeah, you're touching real customer experiences in a very meaningful way and obviously mm-hmm. adding to the value to the business in such a clear way. Um, it's also an, an awesome data team. So uh, that's a different story. That's really great. So, you know, uh, in a lot of the answers that you've both laid out here, uh, what's really clear as a pattern for data teams being successful is that they are very closely aligned to the business, right? Both in operations and how they manage their uh, roadmap and how they prioritize their tooling, right? I think one pitfall we've seen data leaders fall into the past is that they're not close enough to the business and they tend to be siloed off as a support function, right? Yali, you actually came on DataFrame, talked about that pretty extensively. And we actually had Shane Murray, uh, Monte Carlo's field CTO as well, talk about that on the DataFrame podcast. So maybe both of you, I'd love to understand why you think that we still have data teams today that are still siloed off as a support function and how can data leaders take steps to fix this? I'll start off with you, Yali. Um, so I think there are a few barriers that data leaders need to overcome to partner effectively with the business. Um, it's, there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of data leaders have come up in the, the, the data space and there's a lot of knowledge they've had to acquire around data science and data analytics and data engineering and data, 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 data all these different uh, sort of aspects and so it's easy if you're if you're working in data to to be a bit insular and focus on our profession and our tooling and our approaches and our innovation and so on when by the time you i mean i mean i think that's a failure mode for anybody at any level of a, a in in the organization but by the time you become a leader that's you know it's, it's critical you've got to be outward facing and you've got to be, be spending more time with the business uh, working with the business to identify where there's opportunities to apply data than you do with the data team actually realizing those opportunities. Um, but then with the rest of the business, data is a, can often be alien. It can be scary. It can be different. Data people have their own language, their own jargon, their own. So there's a, there's often a, um, um, the, 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 a, a reluctance or reticence from the rest of the business. There might be a lack of data literacy in the rest of the business. And then sometimes the data leader is not necessarily set up for, for success. So I think I like, I'm sure both of you and many people in, 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 in the industry genuinely believe in the transform, transformative power of data. But if the data leader isn't, uh, if she isn't senior in an organization, uh, she's going to have to fight to to have the influence that she really ought to. So um, I think they're they're challenges. Some of them are within our our wheelhouse to solve because they're they're on the data side. Some of them are outside the data side and some of them are are the broader, the way the organization is is set up and structured. Yeah, no, I'd I'd agree. I was just going to agree. Yali, we should disagree about something. Uh, But uh, (laughs) I, uh, uh, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I agree that there's there's a couple of factors, right? Like one is sort of, and Ali, Ali alluded to those, like the DNA of the organization and how important data is in that organization. And then the structure, meaning what is 
what, in other words, what is the um, role and remit of the data leader? Um, and oftentimes those are not things that are necessarily in our control as data leaders or data teams. Um, I think there are some things that, you know, or thinking about the things that are in our control. I think there's something about like having a sort of, you know, I like this phrase, like what you do matters mentality, what we do matters as data teams. And that's true for any organization. Um, and I think as a result of that, there's a couple of things that we can do. First of all, know what data matters to who and why. So, so often I meet data teams of like, you know, if data breaks somewhere, they're not totally sure about the Im impact and like who cares about that mm -hmm. data. And actually being like, hey, this data is really important because it ties into our marketing model or financial model or whatever it is, right? Like maybe this is tied to ad revenue or product metrics, but like being able to speak to that and know why the data that you're working with matters is an extension of like what I do matters. Um, I think the second thing that successful uh, data teams do is tie themselves to important company initiatives. So they can like, you know, mm -hmm. plant the flag with like, we help with this new product launch and we help with, you know, reducing churn and increasing expansion. And we actually created this amazing experience for our customers to help personalize a recommendation for, you know, the, you know, in, a, in fintech companies recommending like the right financial solutions or, you know, if you're in Netflix recommending like, you know, the best show, that's very important. I watch the recommendation closely. I don't know about you all. I need rec new recommendations. Mm -hmm. um, right. But like if the data team can have a part in creating a great experience, like that matters to the company. Um, and then finally, I would say is like find ways to measure your team and use that as opportunities to highlight what you do matters. So, for example, you know, we work with um, lots of folks who I mean, obviously, we're a data observability company. So we work with folks who are thinking about how to measure the reliability of their data. And so maybe you implemented a new SLA, for example, on making sure that your data is fresh 99% of the time. You got, you know, some, you know, you got some measurable, measurable way to, to, to sell, to see that, celebrate that as a win for the team, right? If you're, if you're able to tie between, here's the metric, here's the win that we have, here's why this is important in tying to a company initiative, and here's who should care about this in their organization. That's a huge leap in terms of like what we do matters. So I think stepping into that and, and owning that is something that we have full control on and, and um, we can do easier said than done. I recognize that. Um, but, you know, I think the um, thinking in that mindset has certainly helped kind of many of the best teams that, that I've seen. That's awesome. And I want to kind of be able to take a framework from you both and see how we're able to kind of templatize that thinking and share that with the rest of the data community that's especially watching here. Uh, you know, both of you mentioned uh, on the importance of one measuring impact of the of the data team, right? Whether that's through measurable ways that are KPIs that are really important that the data leader should track of. The other one is making sure that the data team is working on really important company initiatives, right? And this is really closely tied to what you said, Yali, on the uh, choosing like the correct use use cases and starting from the use case. So maybe Bar to follow up on one of your answers here, uh, what are great ways that you've seen data teams can measure the ROI of their activities, right? Uh, how do you approach, uh, you know, that particular measurement in terms of being able, especially to attach a dollar amount to the initiative of a data team? Yeah, it's a great question. So one, I would say this is hard to do. Not, not. I haven't seen very many teams do this well. Um, uh, that's kind of actually why we put together this framework, this kind of two by two yeah. with, um, you know, the the ideas like map out the projects that you've done or that you'd like to do. If you can, you want to think about it as a project base, you can actually 
think about like the data team's roadmap <clears throat> or product roadmap, if you will, and then map that against like here are the um, here's the value that I've created against like those four or five sort of different um, um, uh, areas that I've outlined, whether it's like mm-hmm. making a team more effective or uncovering a new area, mapping that against um, the different um, functions and then allocating that in some sort of scorecard. So I think that's like a framework that's very helpful. I think there's some things, maybe taking a step back from that for a second. One of the things you can also think about this is like leading indicators and lagging indicators. And actually Lior mm-hmm. Solomon, who um, leads data at a company called Drada, which is one of the fastest growing security companies. Um, and he was previously at Vimeo, uh, which for folks who don't know, it's a um, um, video streaming platform. Um, yep. They have like 200 million users. And the data team there was instrumental in helping actually like drive uh, that business through COVID and helping grow users through the team, through the um, through that time. So the ability for the data team to say like, hey, we actually helped meaningfully during this tough time is, is a huge win. Um, but he actually speaks about really interesting kind of different metrics. And um, one of the, the ways that he's thinking about this sort of like threefold, one is, um, you know, leading le- or lagging indicators, sort of an attribution to a particular you know, re- um, revenue impacting or impacting in terms of mm-hmm. customer experience. The second is actually like um, leading indicators, which oftentimes look at usage. So he's talking about things like, you know, number of reports that, that are being actually used, number of teams that use data teams, um, and then looking at operational metrics, like for example, time to detection. So like how often yep. do you detect data issues, time to resolution of data issues, and then overall like issues, you know, are you plagued with an issue every day or every year? Um, and then finally, the third category is um, team morale um, and team performance overall. So many folks do like an NPS, for example, um, uh, you know, zero to 10, how likely are you to recommend a data team or a company? And so there's different ways. Yep. I think that's like a very sophisticated way to, to look at it. Um, and it's quite controversial, by the way, to look at usage. I think we don't like to measure ourselves by like how many reports we created. We actually wrote a, we wrote a funny LinkedIn uh, blog post saying like, or not just a LinkedIn post saying, um, you know, how do you measure the ROI? All, only wrong answers. And there were hilarious <laughs> responses there. I encourage folks to check it out. Uh, including things like, you know, how many lines of code did you write? How many reports did you actually create, et cetera? And all these, how many snowflake credits did you use? And all these like unreasonable answers. So I think there's more wrong answers than right in these cases. Yeah. And Yali, from your perspective, what are ways that you've seen data teams also measure the ROI? Um, so I think, I, I think that the, 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 the teams that do this best focus on the, those lagging indicators, because those are the ones that really move the rest of the business. So I'm, I'm not disagreeing with the leading ones, Bob. I think a lot of, a lot of data teams fail to art- articulate the value of, you know, what is the difference they're making on revenue? What is the difference they're making in increasing revenue or reducing, uh, reducing cost? Uh, there's often a lot of data teams are doing to, to help productivity, but I think businesses don't care as much about productivity as they should. I wish they cared more about productivity and team productivity. I think it's one of the most impactful things you can do in data. Mm-hmm. But I think in most organizations, you've really got to spot those use cases that have an impact on revenue or an impact on on cost. And, and, and they appear all, all over the place. I was really, there's a, a, a very strong data team at the Globe and Mail, which is a Canadian uh, newspaper group. 
Um, and they desperately wanted to measure the dollar impact of every item of content that was produced. And if you think mm-hmm. about it, that's something that every media company should want to do, but very, very few of them actually get to do it because it's, it's complicated. Uh, item of content might drive somebody to subscribe, uh, might drive a subscriber to retain, and it's going to drive a certain amount of ad revenue against it. So there's nuance in how you calculate it. But they use the opportunity that the modern data stack presented to pull together all the data to to make that calculation. And they could then uh, show the business, they could show the editorial, the journalism team, hey, look, this Mm -hmm. is the dollar impact that each of you has had uh, to the business and the business could start ask, asking and answering a whole new set of questions around, you know, is our investment in uh, this sort of category of content producing the same yeah. return as this sort? Um, so really, I'd, I'd, I'd urge data teams to punch through to revenue and cost and start measuring, start helping the business understand the drivers of that revenue and cost. And as soon as 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 that happens and you can make an argument that through data we were able to drive this much more revenue or this much more cost, the the status of the data team and the business is going to totally change and the business will start pulling the data team into the places where uh you guys will need to be to have the the the, the maximum the maximum impact. So it's more of a it's more of a tactical answer. Start with that and then all the good stuff will will follow. So I completely agree, and I actually definitely agree that it's very hard to actually measure the ROI of content initiatives. As someone who works on content quite a lot, uh, so that's definitely uh, that's definitely a great use case. Which ties into my next question. Uh, we talked about how to measure ROI of different data initiatives, but we also talked about aligning the data team with great use cases. Right, Yali, I'll start off with you since you mentioned this. Walk me through ways data teams can really scope out high quality, high leverage use cases within their organization. Um, it's, it's an art, not a science. So it starts, it starts with an understanding of, of the business and what are the key initiatives in the business. Um, and then an understanding of, uh, how data can be used to, to, to make those initiatives more, uh, more effective. So to, to, to go back to the Globe and Mail, uh, example, if you want to make a media company, um, more profitable the media companies in the business of producing content and that content uh, somehow creates money and, and and being able to map one to the other is 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 at the core of of uh, taking a data-driven approach to making that media company uh, more successful so it's kind of interesting to follow that example through a bit the globe and mails start being able to re, uh, to report on um, the, the dollar contribution of each content item. They start to empower their editorial teams to make more decisions, but then they can start using that same data to optimize the placement of uh, content through the new cycle uh, to maximize engagement. And engagement is one of the leading indicators that then drives a uh, lagging indicator of, 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 of revenue. And that's an example of uh, moving from uh, uh, an analytical use case where you're um, creating reports that help the business make decisions to actually what Bar was talking about earlier, which is a data product that's optimizing your site to improve the user experience, make it more engaging and drive uh, more value then. And, and from that, they started looking at the subscription flow and 
uh, optimizing that, personalizing the subscription journey to maximize the chance that a uh, that a, a a user who's not subscribed goes on to subscribe. So there, this is a data team that are focusing on what are the core challenges that my business has: acquiring mm-hmm. subscribers, retaining subscribers, then using data to help to help with that. And each, and then they they're using each use case to build additional use cases um, on on top of that. So it does it does start with the uh, with an understanding of the business. Um, and then working back, working back to the data, but it is, it is a bit of an art. It's going to look very, very different in different sorts of, of organizations. I hope that's not a cop out answer. It definitely is not. Bar, do you want to add anything here? It's a tough question. The only thing I have to add is, um, <clears throat> I do like the sort of the, the idea of treating data as a product. And I think that approach. May, lends itself to making a higher impact. And that includes actually having a data product manager um, and being really clear about who your customers are. So if ha- having that mindset sort of forces you to be really deliberate about what the impact is that you will have. Who are your customers? What is the feedback from them? And what do you need to do to deliver value? So, um, you know, I think that's like a push in the right direction. Uh, generally, I think that's you know, I'm kind of a fan of like not reinventing the wheel. And since there's a lot of things from software engineering that have worked so well, um, uh, I think it, you know, would be would be great for data organizations to kind of adopt as well. I think it'll just make our lives easier. Um, and having data as a product being one of them is one of like the key things that I think are are really, really beneficial for for data teams. Okay, that is awesome. So we only have 10 minutes left and I want to make sure that we also keep some time for Q&A, right? So I'm going to cap, cap off our conversation by asking where you see the modern data stack's future, right? So, you know, we've been definitely seeing quite a lot of movement in the research space, in the data space, the generative AI space over the past uh, two years or so. Um kind of look through, I want to be able to take your insights here and kind of gaze into the future a bit. I'd love to understand from you, given, you know, you both operate in the modern data stack, uh, both in data observability, in the case of Monte Carlo, and data creation, in the case of Snowplow, where do you see the spaces you operate in evolving in the next few years? And what would be your predictions for the modern data stack, let's say by 2025? I know this is a bit of an annoying question, uh, but Bar, I'll start off with you here. I wanted to punt to, to Yali. Are you sure? I have to go first. Oh. Um, <laughs> look, I'm not in the future predicting business, right? If I was, I probably would be doing something else. Um, so I can't tell you that that's you know a forte for mine. But I think there's a few things that I'm very bullish on. Um, and by that, I mean like I can't imagine the world. I can't imagine a world where like five to ten years now data is less important. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if there's something that I'm willing to bet on is like data is going to be more important than ever. Data teams are going to be more important than ever. Even in this like macro climate, like, you know, data is like the one thing that's continuing to grow and 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 organizations mm-hmm. continue to invest in. And so I'm extremely bullish sort of long term on data, no matter what like the, you know, the um the horizon is. Um, you know, I do think the modern data stack will become the de facto <coughs> data stack. I think it's it is, I would say, like new and emerging in the sense of like the large major- majority of people are actually on prem and need to move to the cloud, but or are moving to the cloud. But I do think the modern data stack will become the de facto data stack in in ten years. I don't know, maybe that's a controversial statement. Um, and I do think, you know, maybe finally, I'll just say, like, I think data, in a sense, 
you know, we kind of like, we were off the hook in many ways mm -hmm. as, as organizations. We, you know, could, you know, maybe had less tools than like engineering organizations and we could get away with like maybe some inaccurate data here and there. And maybe the products were like, you know, not the most scalable and we did things in like more manual ad hoc kind of ways. Um, I think five or 10 years from now, that's not going to cut it. Like we're not, yeah. I don't think we're going to be in a place where we can afford to do that. I think data will sort of get the diligence that it deserves, if you will. Um, and then finally, I do think that, or, you know, maybe this is wishful thinking, but I do think five to 10 years, I'm not sure that like engineering organizations are getting asked about their ROI. I'm very curious if five to 10 years from now, people are going to be like, oh, what's the ROI of the data team? Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be so obvious. We're not even going to yeah. have to like ask that question. That's a great prediction. Yali, from your perspective. Um, I'm thinking about Bar's last prediction about uh, ROI and engineering teams. Um, I, th I think I see engineer product engineering teams being asked uh, to reflect their ROI. So, yeah, maybe maybe we have found a point of disagreement just before the uh, the, 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 the call wraps up. Um, in terms of in, in in terms of how the modern data stack is going to evolve. Uh, I'd, I'd make a few predictions. So I think the, you mentioned, um, uh, generative AI, Adele. I think you can't, you know, everybody's talking about it. I think there's gonna, I think we're gonna see AI tooling evolving. Right now in the modern data stack, it sits, it, it, it and BI sit alongside one another, but I think we're gonna see, um, the, those, like quite a lot of innovation in those, in, in, in those tools and potentially the, the, the distinction between them, uh, dissolving as, as, uh, tooling to put AI in the hands of more, more people gets better. So I think that's one prediction I'd make. The other is, I think we've, we've got to acknowledge that one of the challenges with the modern data stack is there are lots of pieces of the jigsaw puzzle and that creates, uh, integration headache for data teams. So I think all of us. All, all of us vendors, Snowplow, Monte Carlo, and everybody else, I think we've got to work hard to make integrating with one another easier um, so that it is more like putting pieces of a jigsaw puzzle together and less like integrating disparate applications. I, um, that is, uh, and I think potentially we're going to see a, a bunch of consolidation that forces, that forces some of that to, to happen. And then the last prediction I'd make is I think we've all, um, again, we, like we, as, as vendors, we've all focused on being best of breed on doing something very particular, very, very well, uh, which has left our users being the people that have to do that integration piece. So we've, we, we, we're giving them something which is best of breed tooling, but we're forcing data people to do all this, this integration work. And if, um, if as well as integrating better, we can kind of think about common, common use cases and making them easier to execute across the stack. I think we'd be doing, uh, everybody, data teams or, uh, everywhere, a huge uh, service. And now I've got to stop making predictions. So I think somebody's going to walk into my hotel room. Hang on. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so I think with that, uh, what we can do is take. Uh, quite one question from the audience, and this is a data engineering question. So this is 
quite in line with both of what you do, Bar and Yali. Bar, I'll start off with you. I'm going to show the question here on stage. It's asked by Suresh, a lead data engineer at OLX. So what, according to you, would be the top five metrics that would help in measuring the ROI of a data engineering team, both infra data teams and data engineering teams that generates data products? Uh, Yali, since this is about as well data creation, I'll start off with you maybe. So it's very tricky to start with the ROI in a data engineering team. I'd start, I'd look at what are the teams that that data engineering team is serving? What are they doing with the data? Uh, what's the value of what they've, uh, what they've created with the data? So, you know, uh, what's the revenue, additional revenue they've been able to drive? What, what are the costs they've been able to save? And then if I were a member of the, the, the data engineering team, I'd say, look, none of that would have been possible if we without the foundational work that we did so we want to say that revenue and that cost we like we made that possible uh, but also by putting in place this infrastructure we made it possible for other teams in the organization to come and have a similar impact uh, going forwards because all data engineering are in a sense a kind of platform team that in, in, enable this this stuff to happen on an ongoing ongoing basis and I'd be really bullish about putting that business case to the rest of the the rest of the company. And Bar, from your perspective? Um, top five. Let's see. Uh, I think in an ideal world, I would choose, you know, one, the financial impact of the value, um, like revenue generation. If you can tie it to that, that would be my, my top. You know, I think um, time to insight would be the second in the sense of like helping um, helping customers internally and externally use data, unlock the value of data. The third, I would say, is around um, the reliability of data. So making sure that you have minimal data downtime um, and that you, um, as a part of that time to detection, time to resolution of data issues. Um, and then, you know, number of ad hoc queries. Duh. Um, just kidding. That was a joke. Um <laughs> Those, I, I'm going to cop out and say four, those four that I mentioned. Okay, that's definitely uh, all okay. Uh, we still have one th time for one more question, given that we're three minutes away from the end of the session. Again, this one is a bit more career-oriented, right? Um, but essentially, this is something that I wanted to ask about as well, you know, with the innovation in the data tooling space that we're going to see in the future. What would be your advice for those just starting out their careers right now, looking to add value with the tools in the modern data stack, right? Especially for data, especially for data professionals that are more junior or mid-level. Start off with you, Bar. Yeah, I would say, you know, the, the, data, the data landscape is changing a lot. Um, you know, it's, I'd be hard pressed to find, you know, many industries that are changing at this rate. And so I think being curious, uh, and, you know, staying, you know, continuing to learn, um, continuing to see sort of what's out there, um, on the one hand. And then on the other hand, I think there's a, a big role for focus. I think there's, you know, you can easily do a lot of things, um, in various sort of areas and actually not have an impact in the business. And so actually focusing, um, you know, we, we talked about like the core sort of um, four areas, data warehouse, data lake, orchestration, BI, observability, like thinking about what's the value that you can unlock with those, um, I would say. And then, you know, I think the other thing is, um, yeah, I just go back to what I say earlier, like remember that what you do matters significantly and like be proud of that. Um, and so whatever it is that you want to do, just go do it. Um, and um, 
uh, yeah, don't let your feels hold you back. And Yali, any parting words from you? Uh, spend time with the rest of the business, understand their problems, understand their pains, understand what they're trying to do. And you'll just find a whole world of opportunity where you can use data to help them. And that's, that's where the impact starts. That is really great. Great way to cap it off. So on the numbers, we officially have 1,339 people joining us for this session. I really appreciated your time, Bar Yali, for joining us today. Uh, Bar, I know that you have a hard stop and you have another uh, meeting after this, so I'll let you go. And thank you all so, so much for joining the session. We're going to take a 15-minute break right now, and then we'll start off with the next set of sessions. But do make sure to message Bar Yali on LinkedIn in case you have any additional questions or myself. And do, if you want to amplify, if you like what you see, you want to share this, do use the hashtag DCRadar2023. Uh, but with that in mind, thank you so much, Bar and Yali, for joining us today for the session on Radar. This was so fun. Likewise. Thanks, Thanks Adele. So Thanks, Bar.